I am all for paying to market to new customers, but I'll never be able to wrap my mind around paying for our own diners. Why should we have to pay cover fees? It's like getting penalized for being busy. That's why I'm a huge fan of Yelp Guest Manager. It's a reservation and waitlist system connected to a diner network nine times larger than Open Table, and they never charge cover fees. Learn about their new $99 per month plan for newly opened restaurants at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast or call 877-571-9357 and tell them full comp sent you. Now here we go. The people that surround you, like your regulars, the bus boys, the sous chefs, like the story could just simply be there. Maybe if you just told their story through your lens, don't focus so much on yourself because the world around you is what makes your world. You just happen to be at the center of it and then think about how the, you can control yourself the most in all of it and you'll start to piece it together faster than you think. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. I don't know Tim Kisano personally, but in a really weird way, I do. I do because I follow him on TikTok, where he crafts these daily stories that walk through his life. And for the record, Tim's not a daredevil or a world traveler. He's just a regular person. He's a corporate executive with a wife, a child, and a penchant for protein bars. So why do I tune in daily to see what he's up to? Honestly, I'm not sure. And I thought that that was worth a conversation. So I'm sitting down with Tim to figure out what makes him interesting enough that I and half a million other people follow him daily. My professional background starts formally at ABC Sports. About 20 years ago, I was in live sports production for five years, did mostly college football and PGA Tour golf, got married at 27 and realized that spending 36 weeks a year on the road was probably not the most conducive environment for a long-term, sustainable, healthy marriage, switched to the marketing side of the business. I thought I was going to be pigeonholed forever as a live sports production guy, but managed to pitch myself to ESPN and basically connect the dots between sales and marketing and production. So if you saw SportsCenter brought to you by Coors Light or you know the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts is probably the best reference point as far as like in-game or in-program type of sponsored content. So I did that for seven years with ESPN. And then I got a call out of the clear blue sky. I said, hey, there's got this interesting gig for you over at a company called Time Warner Cable Media. and it actually is weird as it was for me to leave ESPN and go to Time Warner Cable Media, which doesn't exactly have the sexiest name. And especially if you had Time Warner Cable as a uh, subscriber back in the day, you probably didn't think fondly of it. But it was this amazing opportunity to take everything that I had learned about marketing at a global level with ESPN and apply it to small business. So I'm currently Vice President of Production and Creative Services. We are now owned by Charter Communications. My side of the house focuses on small business at scale. So I've got 240-person teams spread out across the country. We are the reason why you would see small business on TV. So if you're watching sports game, if you're streaming something and it goes from an Apple commercial to Bob's Toyota or Joe's Restaurant, 
we're the reason why that business is on TV because we provide creative services in a way that is friendly to small, medium-sized businesses or SMBs as we would call them. And it's fun. It's an interesting side of the advertising landscape that is largely unknown. And yet we do like 20,000 projects on an annual basis. And yeah, I've got the privilege of running a big ass team spread out across the country. And a hush falls over the crowd because everybody's wondering, like, why is this guy on a show focused on the restaurant industry? And the reason is I follow you on TikTok. And I think it is so interesting the way that you have built an audience. Half a million people follow you and you're growing in what seems like a nonlinear way at this point. And it's absolutely incredible to see. And as a restaurateur, being deeply seated in the industry, marketing has always seemed optional. It's always seemed like the tool of last resort. Personal branding and things like that are only for celebrity chefs. They're not for the common man. And yet I see the niche that you've carved out, not doing like action sports, but in just talking about your life in a really honest, authentic, charismatic way. And so I wanted to have you on the show to one, talk about the inspiration behind that, how it's gone, how it's going, how you think it's going to go in the future, but also to provide a, a real life example of how people care. And you are evidence that as we are, that is enough to build audience and, uh, and increase reach. How long ago did you start on TikTok? I started in August of 2019 is when I downloaded and made my first one. I then paused for four-ish months just to observe. At first, it was, how do I even use this thing? So before pandemic, I'm not one of those stories of, hey, I was working from home and kind of bored on off hours. No, I never worked from home throughout the entire pandemic. And this was just a creative outlet for me because I was kind of sick of people giving me a hard time, people being friends and family, giving me a hard time for doing more bizarre content on Instagram or what they considered more bizarre. And I just kind of wanted an outlet. And it did definitely evolve from me giving protein bar reviews to let me just introduce myself. And to your point, that was really the catalyst for the rest of this was me saying, this is who I am and this is how I look at the world. And I don't think it's because there's anything all that unique about me other than my unique nature, I guess. You don't have to be somebody super special. Like I, <laughs> in some capacity, I'm, you know, if I get stopped on the street in the city here in New York City, which has started to happen with a greater frequency, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, how do people even explain this to their friends? If, yeah, I follow this guy and they may not even be sure who I am or what I do, but they're like, yeah, it's a, it's a follow and your point that the numbers have been staggering. It is definitely a testament to tell your story because people want to hear stories. And especially for those that are just starting to figure out what the hell do I do with my life to get different perspective on, especially in an industry as complex and unique, which it is that there's probably a ton to be unearthed. And to your point, like marketing shouldn't be an afterthought unless you don't care what your menu looks like, unless you don't care what your awning looks like. Like that's marketing, whether you call it marketing or not. And there's a distinct possibility that the story that got you to where you are, that 
had you listening to this podcast and the things you probably did before you even clicked play on this is more than enough to tell an interesting and compelling little snippet, you start to see the feedback and you could change your life and you could change other people's lives simply by starting to tell your story more. You know, when you scroll through your feed, it's really interesting because you go to all of these other TikTok personalities that actually have fewer followers than you. And it's the top three ways to become a millionaire, the five keys to shredding your beach bod. And then you go to yours and it just says Tuesday. Um, (laughs) Really? It's like you're trying not to spark interest, but it works and it works in in a really powerful, compelling way. People are riveted by your story. At what point, because I I could see that the content has evolved over time, right? From reviews to little snapshots to this somewhat cinematic thing that you do now where people are kind of watching all of these clips throughout your day as you kind of explain overall, not only like what happened, but the context behind it and why it matters to you. At what point did you lean in? Did you say, all right, I mean, I have a baseline audience here. How can we scale this up? Or did that thought not cross your mind? Certainly, I'd be lying if I said I didn't contemplate why people were coming along for the ride and how I could further tap into that. Because I'm a marketer by trade, I was always interested in, well, what's the hook that works? And honestly, I still don't know that I've figured it out. I've just found a repeatable pattern that I'm most comfortable with. There could also be an argument or a conversation to be had that's, you started so early and people seem to like your stuff. Why didn't you become like a Tinks or like somebody else that's in a storytelling space? And, you know, I'm not comparing myself to her specifically, but it's like there are people that started around that time that now have five, 10 times the followers that I do. So why didn't you get bigger? Because 500,000, look, I'm not going to pretend like that's not a gigantic number, like that is staggering. But in the TikTok world, it's not setting any records. And I'm probably one of 100,000 people that has 500,000 people following them. But it's been interesting to just see how I can blend that space of, is it interesting? And is it helpful? And I got stuck in some of those spaces that you started to describe of like top 10 ways to do this, this, and this, where I'll never forget, like in the mid end of 2020, somebody in my neighborhood who was about 25 hosted, here's like the best ways to approach an interview and blew up overnight, literally went from 50,000 followers to a million within like a span of a couple of weeks. And I remember being like, what the fuck? This person is <laughs> has literally, with all due respect, it's only 25. So there's only so much career perspective that they could gain. And I felt like, oh, so like that's what people want. They want like these tips. And so I definitely have a couple of those like in the way back, way back. But I quickly realized that I'm forcing that. And even as somebody that oversees a big team that I have, the, again, have the privilege of overseeing on a day in a day out basis, me trying to boil down how do you get a great internship is just it's i've got other things that i think could be more helpful and i would rather have that conversation on a one-to-one basis with somebody so i can learn more about them and so i just kind of started to fall into this space of 
if I tell you about my day and I try to give, and especially with a younger audience in mind, try to give them a sense of, if I can do this, you a thousand percent can do this too. I don't want to be out here being like, look at me, I know all of these things and I've got all this cool shit and like aspire to this because I mean, I literally have got one video pinned on my page and it all it says is there is nothing that I can do that you can't do better if you want to, right? Because I also don't want to put people in a position where they feel like, oh shit, like this is one of those rise and grind type of dudes like so it's been like it's trying to strike that balance between all of those elements while i have no content strategy i'm constantly in my head like does this come across as pretentious like was this helpful were the first three seconds but that's just kind of how my brain works but i always go back to just do one more it's just been this weird evolution and as long as i feel like i am still being true to who i am and I don't make myself cringe too much because I make myself cringe a lot with what I do. Like, that's one thing I would definitely want people to walk away with is be vulnerable. Like, your most vulnerable and authentic perspective on all the ups and downs is what is going to really draw people in. If you try too hard, people sense it. But if you just kind of put yourself out there, it can be remarkable what can happen. Why do you think people follow you? I mean, we can describe your authenticity or the way that it's shot and all of that, but that describes the product, not the benefit. What is the benefit in your mind as the creator? Why do you think half a million people follow you and engage with your content? What are they getting from it? It's a combination of things. And I start there because of the different comments that pop into my head as I think about the question. Because it ranges. I think if you're somebody that's of late high school, early college years, and I see these messages either in Instagram DMs or in the comments, it is a being an adult kind of scared the shit out of me. And you seem very relatable, but at the same time, you've built like a nice family and a nice world for yourself. And I get a lot of comments of, I'm no longer afraid to become an adult. I'm not really petrified of the future anymore. Thank you. That's amazing, right? Like that never would have thought like, hey, I'm going to do this to try to set this precedent or try to put this message out. But that's fantastic. Then you can skew to what I would say would be like the moms that are probably about my age that just like the fact that it's relatively wholesome, right? Like I've got my wife and my daughter integral characters in everything. And I think to them, it's almost like a like a soap opera of sorts to a certain extent where it's just like enjoyable and I'm not trying to push anything. I have no specific angle. It's just kind of safe and interesting, I guess. Sneak. Then there's a entire world of sneakerheads that love the fact that even though I'm not great at focusing on it, you know, I do have done some individual posts about sneakers but there's enough interest in the sneaker world where if you're even kind of on the periphery of it, but you have shown that you have a relatively good collection, people will want to follow you. I think there's still a handful of people that are like, do do more protein bar reviews. This is kind of our space together and it's co-ownership. It's not just me just trying to push a specific narrative. What does growth look like on the platform? 
has it been linear? Because it feels very hockey stick these days. It's been both. I mean, especially considering we're talking about three plus years now, I've had moments of hockey stick growth and I've had periods of time where it's been flat. I feel like for some reason, the number 176 pops out of my head of like, I sat at 176 for months and then it was like 200 was a big thing. You know, I feel like 500 came fast and then I blinked and it was at like 530, you know, it's approaching 540 now, but it's relative. And I try to keep that in mind too, where to me, it's less about the number of followers. If you're, if I'm just looking at pure metrics and engagement, that it's more about the number of views to a certain extent, because I know that that's based off of how long people are watching. So how long can I get people to somebody to stick around for the story? And but also have it be in a comfortable space. Like I've tried some of the trends. If nothing else, I feel like sometimes I'm at a disadvantage because I suck at the trends. Like if I ever try to jump on one of those trains of like, oh, everybody's doing their teenage year dirtbag picture things. Like, let me go do my version of it. I feel clumsy in the space in general. I feel extra clumsy doing that stuff. So it's been steady growth, steady growth. And I kind of like that because it's been legitimate work. Like it's not easy to do this on a consistent basis. I've had to get better with workflow, but I like what that has taught me. And I do like the fact that it feels like over this period of time that I have legitimately earned it just based off of the consistency. And that I don't have very many just overnight tens of thousands of people fall out of the clear blue sky, because I know that that's happened to a bunch of creators that are big. And that I think the consistency, and even if it's flat growth, flat growth, you look at that over a broader period of time, it's just kind of like probably a nice steady trajectory. And that that has meant that those that come are there and that they're engaged. And that's kind of a fun aspect of it seeing what was possible and going from good to great, you're gonna learn something. Hearing different perspectives from different people in the group have inspired ideas or concepts that I've used since then that there's no way I would have ever come up with on my own. You pull it out of this as much as possible. When the well is dry, you pour a bucket in there and then tell us, now get it out. We could have been just as lost as when we started if all we got was, here's how to do it, go. These folks are independent restaurateurs, just like you, but they have one massive advantage that you don't. They have a proven plan. I'm launching my next restaurant marketing mastermind that brings together 12 owners and operators looking to massively scale revenue by working with me and by working with each other. This mastermind is so effective, we offer a money back guarantee. So if you're interested in scaling your restaurant's revenue with a program that is guaranteed to work, apply today at restaurantmarketingmastermind.com. Again, that's restaurantmarketingmastermind.com. You might think being on the line and filling those tickets is the thing you need to do for your restaurant, but every burger you make is a marketing call or video that you didn't make to drive more sales into your restaurant to make things better. Is there a model? Speaking like one marketer to another, like, do you have a formula at this point? The videos are typically this long. I release it these times on these days with consistency. What what does that template look like for you? When it's going well, I can do at least one a day. 
I would prefer to post it sometime around five to six o'clock because I am, again, as a professional marketer, like I am cognizant of posting times and things that should be helpful. It would be weird if I was just completely spacing out on those things. Once a day, ideally, 5 p.m., under 60 seconds, just because the music that I like the most is less than 60 seconds. I also think that 60 seconds is an eternity for a TikTok post. I can't believe that I got away for 90-second TikToks as long as I did because I that used to be kind of the going rate for me. It's a good way for me to be more thoughtful about the process. I basically just take two-second clips of random stuff throughout the course of a day, and then I try to thread it together. And when I'm doing it in that type of pattern, everything is more vivid, and I can remember the specific details about the day and then weave it together, I think, in the most interesting way that I can. Even when two days pass, then I start to struggle with, like, do I go back to two days ago? Do I do yesterday? Like, And then I kind of start to fumble and get in my own way. I try to keep them into a couple different genres because I feel like they're the most interesting. It feels like a decent style without over scripting things. And again, this is, I'm saying all of this without, I don't have like a document that says like, oh, on Mondays I do this. this. Like it literally is just kind of fly by the seat of my pants for the most part, but with some of these parameters kept in mind. I try to do point of view or POV as they would call it in a TikTok post because I do want people, especially young professionals, to feel like this is totally possible. I wasn't a good student. I don't have a college degree. Like if I can do these things, you legitimately could as well. So while the topic of a budget process or P&L management may not be the sexiest one possible, I would like to be able to sprinkle that stuff in and not because I want to be like, oh, look at me. I was talking about budget yesterday. Like, who gives a fuck about that? But if you can picture yourself dealing with these things on a day in and day out basis, that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned, because I feel like that's empowerment. And I want people to be more calm and thoughtful and less stressed out about shit that they shouldn't be or think that is beyond what they're capable of. And so that's like POV and why I try to put it into that type of space. And then I do like kind of bouncing around from a timeline perspective and see if I can keep people on their toes, but also be the weirdest version of myself, not the weirdest, but like one of the weirder versions of myself where it's like, I had this conversation with Josh at 1213, which was eight hours after I did blank, but actually have it make sense and like why my head went along that train of thought. When I do those and I see people that are like, I don't know what the fuck I watched, but I just watched that twice. Like, <laughs> I kind of love that because it's like, and all this stuff is too, like, it's so weird at this age because the kid in me who wrote random essays in middle school and high school, but all the teachers were like, why aren't you trying harder? Like you could be getting A's, but you just get C's. Like all of those variables, I feel like are coming to fruition in such an interesting way now where it's like, you guys like this stuff that comes out of my brain? Like this has always been there. There just happens to be this platform now and the iPhone just happens to be able to shoot this way. But the gimbal's always been in my head. Cinematic mode has always been the way that I see things. And now I get to express that. And then you pay me times 10 in return with kind comments and 
pushing buttons on the screen that say, yes, please give me more of this and I'm happy to come along for the journey. Dude, that's fucking insane, but in like such a fun way. It's kind of like you were like busking on the side just because you love playing guitar and you just kind of wanted to go into a corner, but you kind of wanted people to hear it, but you were kind of shy about it too. And then all of a sudden you look up and there's a shitload of people and you guys are like, I wrote that song myself. You guys like that? Like to a certain extent, it, it kind of feels that way because it ain't my day job, but goddamn, it can be really, really fun to just let it rip and, and see what people think. And when I have just let it rip, so to speak, like when I do not filter or especially when I'm like, I feel this way right now, I'm going to go and put this together. And I don't care if I'm laughing. I don't care if I'm crying. I don't care what it is. Like this is just something in my head right now and I want to get it out. Some of those have been some of the most powerful, I would say like views, likes, comments, etc., into a way that I've, <laughs> I cringe thinking of like coworkers and family and stuff watching it. But that's the magic behind all of this is just it's in your head and everybody has a unique perspective to be able to bring to the table. And especially in the space of owning a restaurant, being around food, being around things that bring people together, having a unique perspective on something that everybody can relate to, like there is magic in everyone's hand that does this for a living. And it'd be really fun if walking away from this, if you had some people that were like, hey, man, I heard that episode and I started doing it because that idiot said that he did it and he said it in a way that was like, okay, cool. Like, why don't I give this a shot too? Like, that'd be amazing. Cause I know that there's thousands of amazing stories out there that just haven't been told. Let's talk about your workflow because I can imagine that in the back of everyone's mind listening, they're like, I don't have time for this shit. How long, let's start high level. How long does it take you to create an episode? So if you're doing, let's say one a day, how much of your day is involved in creating that one episode? So if you want to find time, you can find time, point blank. I have think done a pretty good job of maximizing what I can get done in a day, but I also don't watch TV. Like there's some things that I've kind of given up, so to speak. This has been a bit of like my outlet or like relaxing time, but I've done the math. It's about 15 minutes of actual videography, right? If I take two to five second clips throughout the course of a day, there are some days where I walk away with 10-ish minutes of footage, maybe sometimes upwards of 15, but then I will say 15 is an average because of the time that it takes to like, but I'm talking like walking across the street, putting the phone on a fire hydrant or something that's got a flat surface to use as like a mobile tripod, those types of things. So I, I do account for setup time and then the shot in addition to like the raw footage. Then from an editing perspective, it's could be anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes. So, you know, now we're talking at the high end 45 minutes. And then depending on where my brain is, 10, 15 minutes for the voiceover piece, that could go longer. So there's some ones that I've sat there and struggled with for whatever reason and it could take me up to an hour and a half and then there's ones where i can get through that entire process that i just described in very short periods of time and turn something around 15 minutes you know but i also i err on the side of grossly overproducing i would argue right there's some people whose entire tiktok account is 
they put the phone down, you can watch them hit the record button and then they do something and then you watch them go back to their phone and press stop. And then maybe they put some text on the screen and pick a music and they're probably in and out in three to five minutes. So mine is the extreme, but I would say on average, somewhere in the ballpark of 45 minutes to an hour a day, but I'll be grossly over-intentional with how I make that work. So if I take a two-second clip, I will immediately go into it and trim it so that I don't have to deal with it later, right? So if I can be like, oh, it started off shaky, like I can do a raw edit. And I know a lot of this stuff too, just because of the workflow and what I do for a day job. I can do like a quick trim. I airdrop everything to my laptop. So super easy workflow from a shooter on my iPhone, airdrop it to my laptop. I edit an iMovie, which anybody that does this already is going to be like, wow, that is super goofy. Why do you do that? (laughs) It's such a simple set of tools, but iMovie doesn't let you edit vertically. So I literally, when I'm sitting there, like some people would see me on the subway and I've got my head tilted because I'm editing because I've tilted everything to the side to be 16 by nine so that when I export it, I bring it back to nine by 16. But I've also done, I can't believe this is a real number. I've done like a thousand of these things in the past three years. So at first clumsy for a while, I used just did it straight in TikTok, but just in the same way that somebody might compose a meal or if you're like, okay, cool. I've got the sauce down well. But when I cooked the meat, there was this that I could have done a bit better. When it got plated, I could have done blank, right? There's all of these little incremental things. So for anybody thinking either time management or how do you look at it, don't just the same way that you wouldn't say to somebody like, cool, go make this complex meal. And I'm just going to show you the end result of a plate. Don't think of it in its parts and pieces. And the same thing, like everything is its own little element. And you could do a terrible job with one element of that, but the other things are going to be good enough that you're going to learn and then you're going to iterate on those other things and you're slowly but surely going to get to a space where it's the best goddamn steak frites on the entire planet. But it's just, it's so simple, but you've made every single tiny little element in there the way that it works for you and what you see coming together. And it's not going to be perfect every time, but if you think of it in those like tiny little compartments and you're willing to learn and you're willing to fail, because my God, do I have a shitload of really bad ones <laughs> or ones that help me grow and things that make me cringe. But that's the process in the same way that if you're going to be putting amazing food in front of people in beautiful spaces, it's because you have tried over and over and over again until you got to a place where you're there in that moment and you're proud and you're comfortable with what you bring to the table. Has this opened the door to new opportunities? I mean, I would say that this conversation is, is new opportunity. Yeah. A thousand percent. You know, I've spoke at VidCon. I spoke at ad week, social media week. I'm going to Germany next week to speak at something called DMX co. I've got, more brands that have reached out to me, I can't keep up with it. But I'll pause there for a second and say that to me, every TikTok is an opportunity, right? Like you don't know who's on the other side of the phone. Like I had no idea that I was slowly putting you in a position where you're like, hey man, I'm going to reach out to this guy and see if he wants to have a conversation. So I look at opportunity in 
micro and macro. Micro being simply how I could say good morning to somebody, or if I'm thoughtful on any given day in any given moment about the people that are around me, and I could be doing something at any moment that could rub somebody the right way or the wrong way. And I would rather rub somebody the right way as often as humanly possible because I feel like that that's how opportunity starts to snowball. TikTok is that times a million because you've got such an opportunity on any given post to do something that is far reaching and press that one person. And it was about saying yes to things too. I remember the first podcast I got invited to, I think the name of it was Girlfriend vs. Boyfriend. And I remember just being like, wow, somebody wants to have me on a podcast? That's cool. This was like early 2020. And I remember looking up and like, they had maybe 30 followers on Instagram or something. I'm like, I don't care. I get to have a go have a conversation. Like, let's see where this goes. It's also good practice too. So for somebody that's like, okay, well, where could this go? This could go to you being on Good Morning America. There's nothing that isn't possible. Everything is possible in this space every single day. And then it's just kind of a matter of, what you do with it and trying to not engineer it too, too much. Cause I think that that's when it starts to become a bit of a farce and it becomes a bit of a push, but yeah, it's open doors like crazy. But the most important one is allowing me to let what's in my head come out in a new way that just kind of gave me a, if this fell apart tomorrow, I would be totally cool with the fact that I just had this opportunity to tell stories for a short period of time, relatively speaking, and they were well-received by a broader audience than I would have ever thought possible. That's gold that I already got in my pocket that nobody can take away from me. Last question I have for you is this. There are a bunch of people listening that are like, great for him. I still have no idea what I would say. What's your advice to them? You don't need to. I don't know what I'm going to say. I have no idea what I'm going to, when I sit down tomorrow morning and I start to put together whatever I put together. I don't. Every single day, I'm like, I'm not quite sure. But if you think about where fact meets the detail and nuance of your day, that's where you could start, right? Like, what was the conversation like in the morning as you were thinking about your vendors? and you were dealing with some sort of situation? Or how do you see the world broadly speaking? You can start at the most minute detail. It's about starting somewhere. It really doesn't matter. I think there are very few people that have it so well crafted that it's like, okay, here's kind of exactly where to... It's just a matter of starting. And it can be literally anything from your perspective. If you find it to be worth saying out loud, then it's worth saying out loud because it's a start. Don't look at it any differently than you probably looked at food to begin with, right? If you led somebody into a grocery store, of course, they're going to feel perplexed. It's like, okay, well, where do I start? Like, what do I have to say? Like, why would I, okay, other than feeding myself, but you start to grab some ingredients, you put stuff together. It's going to be your unique spin on it. You're going to learn, you're going to fail. And as long as you keep repeating it and you're okay with those things, then you really can do just absolutely staggering things for yourself and for your business and the people around you. This what might be the most useful thing I could say to somebody that's stuck. I'm not the main character. I just happen to be the most controllable figure in all of it because I can shoot myself. I can 
use my audio, I can direct myself, it's my perspective, but it's only because of the world around me that any of this is interesting. So if you're like, okay, well, where do I start? Unless you've got some sort of super weird relationship with the people in your life, and that's like a non-starter to begin with, the people that surround you, like your regulars, the busboys, the people that are, you know, the sous chefs, like however you're staffed, the people around your vendors, like the story could just simply be there. Maybe if you just told their story through your lens, and again, because you're the one thing that you can control the most out of all of it, you are going to ultimately be at the epicenter of it. But people love storytelling. People love the mundane. People love the mundane when it comes from a unique perspective. So the world's kind of your oyster in that capacity. But if you're stuck on what do I do, don't focus so much on yourself because the world around you is what makes your world. You just happen to be at the center of it. And then think about how the, you can control yourself the most in all of it. And you'll start to piece it together faster than you think. That's Tim Kisano. You can check out all things Tim at Tim with two M's dot work. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.